The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. All right, and we are back. Oh, did you have a long enough break, Clay? It's been a, a long to, week. I got to take three breaths. <laughs> Here, we can uh, break for another f- few breaths if you want. No, I'm good. Okay, good. So uh, let's jump back in and pick things up from where we left off last week. I'm um, talking again about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. And so uh, to pick things up, let's start talking about the difference between action versus motion. Can you dig into this concept for us? He tells a really interesting story of a photography professor. And he he has a class and he splits the class into two. And he says to the two, he says to group number one, I want you to take as many photos as you can this semester. To group two, he said, I want you to take one great photo. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And and then he said, when all the photos were submitted um, at the end of the semester, the best photos were all in the group of, can you guess which one? Uh, uh, I don't want to guess. No, uh. you, they, were, they were in the group of those that he said, take as many as you can. I, I, was, I won't lie. I was going to guess best no, photo. I was going to oh, guess, okay. oh, okay. guess best photo. <laughs> yeah. So, so those that, those that just learn from their mistakes and they just, they didn't worry about making mistakes, kind of the principle of the marshmallow challenge. If those, if you remember my training on the marshmallow challenge that kindergartners tend to do well, right, whereas right. business students didn't do well. Because business students overanalyzed and tried to come up with the best <laughs> idea. Kindergartners just went and made mistakes. And then kept learning and so from they were and able and... to build a, a, a higher uh, structure. We become so focused on the best approach mm-hmm. that we fail to take action. Okay. Now, we've learned from good to great that good is the enemy of great. I'm going to teach you a different phrase. Okay. The best is the enemy of good. <laughs> sounds like sounds like I'm saying the opposite, and now everybody's like, well, "Just what the heck do you want us to know okay, here, Clay?" Got it, right? Got it. <laughs> so the best is the enemy of the good. This is this is when we have analysis paralysis, right? Mm-hmm. We, but but action delivers outcomes. Okay, so you asked about action versus motion. If I search for a great diet plan, that's motion. If I tell people I'm going to go on a you know this diet or I'm going to start mm-hmm. doing that's motion. But if I eat a healthy meal, that's action. Okay. Motion is uh you know, we had a great brainstorming session and have great ideas. And it makes us feel like we're getting stuff done, right? Mo- motion makes us feel like we're making progress without running the risk of failure. Hmm. Right? But you're really just preparing to get something done. So this leads to a key rule. If you want to master a habit, start with repetition, not perfection. Mm. Do something, just start imperfectly. 
right? The more you repeat an activity, the more the structure of your brain changes to, to become efficient in that activity. Uh, they, he says the more, the more neurons fire together, the more they're wired together, hmm. right? The more they're connecting. So habits take things from effortful practice to automatic behavior. And habits form over frequency, not time. It's, it's not how long does it take to form a habit. No. It's how many does it take? You just need to get your reps in. And and that makes a ton of sense to me. I feel bad for having guests too, considering it like the, that that's such a habit that you or approach that you need to apply with, like I mentioned before, learning an instrument or, or cycling or things that just take daily attention, not doing those. But if we're constantly first, right? this analysis paralysis thing, exactly. if we're constantly just looking at something going, what's the best way to cycle today? <laughs> what's the best way to well, play an I'll instrument without going tomorrow. through all the terrible ways yeah. that you've got to slowly <laughs> learn, slowly get better. And you're right. That does really remind me of analysis paralysis. Um, that that's a lot of motion with little action. Yeah. So this next law sounds great to me. <laughs> it's my personal favorite yeah. law I've ever heard of. It's the law of least effort. That's nice. And it's based on the fact <laughs> that our real motivation is to be lazy and to do what's convenient. And should we just go with that? It, it's, you know, it's, I mean, it, it, we do. Look, this is nature. <laughs> Water takes the path of least resistance. <laughs> right. And so do we. Right. When water rolls right. down a hill and it runs into a rock, it goes around the <laughs> right. rock. It finds the e – it doesn't try and go through the rock, right? And it's right. just – and look, any of us that have ever asked the question, will this be on the test, can validate <laughs> that we just want to know how little we can study <laughs> right. and still do a good job on the test. It's This is the law of least effort. Right? right? We we do the things that deliver the most value for the least effort. Products sell this all the time. I mean, you see this, mm -hmm. hey, look, you can have six-pack abs by putting on this machine and it'll <laughs> right. just vibrate for you, right? right? And, right. and it'll just shake, shake the fat out of your stomach. <laughs> and, and habits are just obstacles to getting what we want. Dieting is an obstacle to getting fit. You don't actually want the habit of dieting. Mm -hmm. Right. You want to be fit. <laughs> right. You want what the habit delivers, right? The greater the obstacle, mm -hmm. the more difficult the habit. Hmm. Are you following me on this, no, right? Sure. The more friction there is between you and your desired end state, that makes it harder to develop that habit. Yeah. That's why it's so crucial to make your habits so easy that you'll do them even when you don't feel like it. Okay. I like this concept. Right? So, so trying to – again – we try and pump up our motivation. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, go crazy. I'm going right. to, I'm going to do uh, P90X or I don't know. That was that like <laughs> that's 20 good years ago. That's a good, one. good recollection. Um, it, trying to pump up your motivation to stick with a hard habit is kind of like trying to shoot water out of a bent hose. Right. It's just easier to remove the bend rather than turning up more and more pressure, right? And that funny noise that it makes. It makes sense. It, it just, that's the way to do it. This is environmental design. So for example, when, when trying to introduce a new habit, put it in the path of your current routine. Right. Create an environment where doing the right thing is as easy as possible. Okay, I know when I wake up, I'm going to go get some breakfast. I'm going to put my running shoes in the path there, <laughs> right? right? I'm, I'm going to reduce the friction associated with your good habits and increase the friction associated with your bad ones. I'll give you an example. I, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at this, but I'm trying to develop the habit of sending handwritten cards because, okay. you know, I know there's people and I'm just really bad at it. I'm good at sending texts and emails and all that stuff. But So what I've done is I've put my box of handwritten cards in particular orders 
and I've set it in front of me so that when I know I need it, it's just right there. Yeah, you put and it in I can't, a part of your environment. And it's already designed easily where, oh, somebody's birthday, I've got birthday cards here. Oh, congratulations, here's a congratulations card here. I want to make it as easy as possible. No, that seems really smart. And it, and it sounds similar, really, to the two-minute rule that he talks about. Yeah. Uh, and by this, he really means to start simple with a habit that takes, you know, less than two minutes to complete. I mean, he's all about simplicity. You <laughs> notice this? Right, like, uh, right. So he, here's an example. We we try and start. Well, I'm gonna you know start running ten miles. Just get in the habit of putting on workout clothes, <laughs> That's, and you'll be right. more likely to work right. out. That's great. That's great. Right? It's easier once I take the first step. These are called. He calls these decisive moments. They're small choices that hmm. deliver a big impact. When I get home, do I pick up a book or do I pick up a remote? Right. Do I play with my kids or do I? You know, there's these these little things. Um, or do I open up social media? Right. Right? Habits are the entry point, not the end point. So, so you don't have to start too big. Just start the habit. Uh, and this is the two-minute rule. He says, when you start a new habit, it should take less than two minutes to do. Right. That's I like great. That. I like that. I'm I with do, it. I with can them. do two minutes. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I can make them as easy as possible to start. Don't, don't try and run a marathon. Just, just put on shoes and go for a walk. Right. Master the habit. And I like this. Master the habit of showing up. That's a, that's a great line. Right. The, the, the truth is a habit has to be established before it can be improved. Right. So do the easy thing on a more consistent basis and then standardize it before you optimize it. The secret is to always stay below the point where it feels like it's too much work. Okay. <laughs> right? And then reinforce the identity that you want to build. Don't worry so much about getting into shape. Worry about becoming the type of person that doesn't miss workouts. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> right? I'm not going to worry so much because I find myself not doing it a lot because I'll push myself so hard in workouts. Like, I don't want to do it. Instead, just become the type of person that doesn't miss the workout. Right. And that way I'm focusing on the lead and not the lag measures. I'm focusing on the doing, not the results. And once you've established the habit and are showing up each day, then push yourself a little bit more, but make the habit first. No, I, I really love those. And I, and I realized I can, I was nodding so many yeah. times as you were talking, like it does not no good that. on the there podcast. <laughs> um, but, but I really do love those um, ideas it, 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 to, to really make it as easy as possible. Um, and the two minute rule, uh, yeah. establish the habit before perfecting it. And that just makes a ton of sense to me. So we've talked about making good habits easier and bad habits harder, yeah. which sounds simple enough. And it makes sense. And uh, he talks about using a commitment device. <laughs> that so now, now I'm, I'm getting a little more nervous. So please talk to me device. about sounds what a commitment like a, device like a time is. Bomb. Yeah, it, it right. does. I'm not. You know, it does um, sound a little scary. So yeah, what is a commitment I th device? I think you know a good example of a commitment device is an alarm clock. Okay, hmm. it's a choice that you make in the present okay. that controls your actions in the future. <laughs> Got it. Okay. I I am determined to wake up at six a.m. tomorrow morning. So much so that I set my alarm clock. Right. This allows you to take advantage of good intentions before you fall victim to temptation. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe I, I'm struggling to get something done. So I give my phone to a friend and say, don't give this back to me until I'm done with my project. OK. Right. Try to make or, or or, you know, my my Instagram won't turn on until or I'm not allowed to get on Instagram. It's a commitment device. It's a you know, when you say device, it does. It sounds like a bomb that's going to go <laughs> off if you don't do something. But what you're doing is you're increasing the friction of bad habits. 
You're trying to make them impractical. It's impractical for me to sleep past 6 a.m. when my alarm keeps <laughs> right, going right. off. Right. Right. And and then and and so you get to the point where you don't even have the option to act. There's a story that that I've read and mm-hmm. and some people have read of a of a group of people that didn't want a war anymore. They didn't want to fight anymore. So their commitment device was they buried their swords deep in the earth. <laughs> and when good, the enemies came, they weren't tempted to take them up and fight mm-hmm. because their swords were buried. That's a commitment device. And and this develops habits and by the way, I, I just want to throw this in here. I know you didn't really ask about this, but but then we can make those habits more satisfying. So so just an example, people know that washing their hands with soap is important, okay. right? But they determined uh, they they did there was something in Africa where they were trying to stop the spread of this disease, and they all knew they were educated that washing their but not until they made the soap very foamy and uh-huh. smelling great did people start to do it. So when that became something that that gave them pleasure, then they started to do it more. Uh, you know, brushing teeth. I'm gonna make the toothpaste taste minty fresh and it's going to feel good and all these things when you when you make it satisfying this leads to habit adoption hmm. and what's immediately rewarded gets repeated right what's immediately punished is avoided right and and here's the problem so immediate satisfaction is much more important rather than delayed return satisfaction that's why so few people have six pack apps right right it's the, the, the right? crazy because delayed because that's a very satis- delayed there's a lot of work that goes into six pack apps like mine no just kidding <laughs> um but but we but we have a bias towards instant gratification the consequences of bad habits are delayed while the rewards are immediate mm. And when the moment of decision arrives, instant gratification usually wins. So, right? So instant gratification wins. We know that. We've we've seen humanity. Therefore, add a little bit of immediate pleasure to the habits that pay off in the long run and a little bit of immediate pain to the ones that don't. (laughs) Both sound like great ideas. Right? So you've got to make – again, I need to brush my teeth more. Okay, I've got to make it – I want to use a toothpaste that I really like and something that I look forward to brushing my teeth. Then you have a reason to stay on track. Hmm. So so use reinforcement to make the ending of your habit satisfying, right? Reinforcement ties your habit to an immediate reward. Um. Like make make your avoid make avoidance more visible rather than so I I want to I want to avoid spending money on gambling. Right. Every time I resist the temptation, maybe I'm going to put that money in a jar, and that money in the jar is going to pay for my vacation to Tahiti. Perfect. Or in a <laughs> bank account, or I can see it. I'm I'm making that avoidance Feels more visible. Real, yeah. Um. You know, I, I'm trying to think of other examples, but it 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 makes it more exciting to avoid your habit. Uh, kids do that. It's what a piggy bank is, right? right the money right. fills up in that piggy bank. I've resisted the temptation to buy candy. I put the money in the piggy bank and and I see that money grow. Um, and and the more you can see that, the more you need or the less, I should say, you need outside encouragement. So incentives can start the habit and then identity sustains that habit because I can see my identity. I can see that money growing. Does that make sense? No, no it does. And, and yeah. it really goes back to the idea 
um, and power behind showing the score. Yeah. Where reinforcing your good habits, like, you know, moving paper clips from one jar to another every time I do something I need to do. Yeah. Uh, re- just reinforces your That's a small, dumb yeah, thing, it but it's like we, we get satisfaction in that. Like, <laughs> oh, do. I did that, so, so I'm going to move like another paper clip. People boxes off of te- – there's the idea of that yeah. just visibly con- getting some reward or satisfaction for, for – you know, positive behavior that you want to reinforce. Yeah. And that, that's, this, that's a habit tracker, mm-hmm. right? Anything you do that shows the score of lead measures that, that shows those paper clips in a jar or, um, you know, the, the color on the thermometer going higher, right? Uh, it becomes important, not so much that you get to a certain amount the the important things become becomes that you don't break the chain. Right, Think of what our right. goal is in the emergency fund. <laughs> it's not I, I've never known our goal to raise a certain amount right, of money. No, it hasn't been. It's the number You're of right. people. We don't want to break in the chain of those that are contributing. We want right. everyone to feel like they're in on this family, right? iWatches do this. iWatches tell you all the time, like, hey, you've had seven days of uh, exercise. Right, Good job. Right. Keep it up. And and it's t- they're they're inspiring you to not you know, break the chain. The mere act of tracking behavior can spark the urge to change it. It keeps you honest too. Mm -hmm. Look, this is interesting. Most of us have a distorted view on our own behavior. I think of Forrest Peterson's, I don't know if you've ever been in one of his trainings of, uh, of, uh, fast and easy. And, and he says, um, he says, we think that we're faster responders than we actually are track it and trend it mm-hmm. and you'll discover that you're lying to yourself. <laughs> so so having a habit tracker keeps you honest. And and when evidence is right there in front of you, you you can't lie to yourself. Right. right. Did I do the run? I'm not going to check the box if, if I didn't, didn't do, do the run. Absolutely. I mean, I guess I could set my iWatch and say I'm doing like a an, a workout <laughs> and, and then, then <laughs> but I'm sitting really watching TV and it doesn't know the difference, right? But but it's James Clear says this in the book. He says, the most effective form of motivation is progress. Hmm. When we get a signal that we are moving forward, we become more motivated to continue down that path. In this way, habit tracking can have an addictive effect on motivation. Each small win feeds your desire. Yeah. Right? So you see that way. I mean, again, when my team is down we're playing basketball and my team is down and they start to come back, I get pumped up. I see that progress. Again, it's not from the Mm. cheerleaders saying you can do it. It's tracking that that progress, right? And and we also know, I mean, I don't know. I I like crossing things off my list. Mm -hmm. There's something something about that that's satisfying to me. Very satisfying. Check. (laughs) I am a useful person in this world. (laughs) So so don't fixate yourself so much on the six-pack abs Focus on just keeping the streak alive and and being a person that doesn't miss workouts. Right. And if you do fail, by the way, uh, you know, I, I first of all, I guess I'd say record measurements immediately. As soon as you do it, mm-hmm. check that box, yeah. uh, that immediate satisfaction. <laughs> right. right. We talked about that. Right. And if you fail, rebound quickly because that's what successful people do. Mm. Successful people fail and they rebound very quickly. Um. And and let me just can I I know I've been talking a lot let me let me let me let me add you can a keep you can, you can keep talking I, I was going to say but it's my podcast <laughs> so you can say whatever but it's you really want. not <laughs> uh, but but now so a caution 
And he says this, he says, when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. Measurement is only useful when it guides you and adds context to a larger picture, not when it consumes you. So what does he mean by that? Um, I can become obsessed with doing, you know, pulling some lever in an exit interview or doing quick connects or something like that. But it's not about the quick connect. It's about having happy, engaged employees. If I if I'm all about the quick connect and mm-hmm. checking that box off, I've lost sight of what the importance of the habit is. Does that makes sense. No, it, it it does. That does okay. make sense. Um, we 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 can't really start to just worship the lead measure. Is what you're saying? It's, yeah, it's what we focus on. But, exactly. but we really can't forget the because I why. I found myself worshiping lead measures. I, I can I can it's, yeah. I can see that happening f- yeah. fairly easily. Now, now um, this next one seems to apply to the cluster model as well, and that's that's really the idea of an accountability partner or yeah. accountability partners. So think of this first, again, quote from the book, pain is an effective teacher. If a failure is painful, it gets fixed. If a failure is relatively relatively painless, it gets ignored. Mm -hmm. The more immediate and more costly a mistake is, the faster you will learn from it. (laughs) When the consequences are severe, people learn quickly. That's very true. Very, very true. So this has to make you ask yourself in my cluster or in my department mm. or or what things do we tolerate that mm. we shouldn't? What are things where we don't provide a lot of pain for bad habits and a lot of reward for good habits? Mm. I'm not saying use tasers, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. in your cluster, your departments, <laughs> but but tough conversations with accountability partners, they're important yeah. because we repeat bad habits uh, because they serve us in some way. Right? We, right, there's right. like they they satisfy us, and that makes them hard to abandon. There can't be a gap between the action and the consequences, mm-hmm. right? So so behavior only shifts if the punishment is painful enough and reliably enforced. So you've got to ask yourself: Are we creating the the discomfort that should come with failure, and the and the celebration and the praise that comes with success? Are we being good accountability partners? He he calls these habit contracts, and I like to call them cluster behavioral agreements. <laughs> right. 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 Do we do we state your commitment to a particular habit? We will not be late. We will not, you know, do this. We will always do this. And I'm a big believer in having everyone sign it. Huh. I think if everyone puts their yeah. we will receive difficult feedback even when it's hard to hear. Then when the feedback is happening and somebody complains, you can say We've agreed to this. You signed this. <laughs> right. We agreed this. We agreed to this. We we have that accountability partnership. Yeah, that's 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 awesome concepts. Um and, and so while er- earlier we said that motivation's overrated, yeah. he, he does give some advice on staying yeah. motivated. So apparently it matters. So it, it, to some degree yeah. it definitely matters. Uh so this is along the same lines of keeping it simple and the two minute rule. Uh, yeah. you know, he, he says the way to maintain motivation and achieve peak levels of desire is to work on the task of, quote, just manageable difficulty. Yeah. So let's get into this interesting yeah. science stuff Thank again. You, please. Right. The human brain loves a challenge. Okay. It's why we like puzzles. It's why we like, you know, watching movies and trying to figure out what's going on in the movie. Mm-hmm. But only... If it's within an optimal zone of difficulty, <laughs> okay, which is why fair. everyone got lost in the show Lost. <laughs> it just fair. was too hard to understand that <laughs> it lost out. people. Right? This is called the Goldilocks rule. Okay. Can't be too cold. Right. Can't be too right. hot. Right. It needs to be just right. It can't be too easy that it bores you mm. 
but it can't be too hard that you fail. You need to regularly search for challenges that push you to your edge while continuing to make enough progress to stay motivated. Does that make sense? No, no, it does. So it's got this next point. I, I really like this next point because I think it's very true. And I hadn't thought of it until he stated in the book. And I thought, Oh yeah, that, (laughs) that is, he says, one of the biggest keys to successful people is quote, at some point it comes down to who can handle the boredom of training every day, doing the same lifts over and over. Really successful people, this is still part of the quote, really successful people feel the same lack of motivation as everyone else. The difference is they still find a way to show up despite the feelings of boredom. Hmm. The greatest threat to success is not failure, but boredom. Hmm. (laughs) You just have to tolerate boredom. I mean, think about that. No, it's How many times, I mean, I've I've seen stories, how many times Steph Curry takes this one shot and just that muscle memory over and over. I see him in a game and I see him make these incredible shots, but there's a lot of boredom and repetition (laughs) that that went went into that, that, that powerful, you know, uh, uh, ability to be able to affect results. Uh, we get bored with habits because Mm -hmm. they stop delighting us. Professionals stick to the schedule. Amateurs let life get in the way. <laughs> right? I like that. I like that. And again, it goes back to that first quote by Dan Chambliss. It's not anything great. It's all these small things that are woven together and done with perfection, you know, habits strewn over time. Professionals know what's important to them and they work towards it with a purpose. Amateur Amateurs get pulled off course by the urgencies of life. And so he says, don't be a fair weather leader. Okay. That's sort of the 20-mile march yeah. concept, yeah. right? You you push ahead. The only way to become excellent is to be endlessly fascinated by doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> you have to be willing to fall in love with boredom. <laughs> I, I mean, th- this whole concept. Cycling. I, no, you do I, this. Relo- you're pedaling this. over and over again. A four-hour bike ride on like Sunday. Yeah. And your brain just has to go to a different yeah, area. that would bore me. Practicing a, an instrument, same thing. It is incredibly boring on just a daily basis at least until you know anyway you, yeah something i can definitely relate to so that's a that's i i love the way that's that that was put um so let's let's finish up by talking about what he calls the downside of habits um as a habit becomes automatic you become less sensitive to feedback so yeah. you fall into mindless repetition it becomes easier to let mistakes slide when you can do it so uh uh, when you can do it good enough on autopilot, you stop thinking about how to do it better. This is probably the cause of the sigmoid curve, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is mm-hmm. we we get good at it, and then we you, you know stop nobody. About I, I've done it. this yeah. for so long. Don't give me feedback on this. Like yeah. I know what I'm doing. Right. Right. I actually got called out on this fairly recently in a training I did, and I, I told you about it yeah. in the training yesterday. Yep. Um, I got kind of lazy. And this is somebody that I train on how to do trainings. And and this leader expected more of me. He called me and said, hey, I, I don't feel like you put enough effort into the questions that you asked. And and he was right. I, I knew that I did the training well enough out of habit, mm-hmm. but I got lazy. Studies have shown that once a skill has been mastered, there's usually a slight decline in performance over time. Mm-hmm. So So mastery truly comes only when habits are added to deliberate practice. Okay. 
Like you, you have to be very deliberate. It's it, again the sigmoid curve. We we've got to layer improvements on top of each new habit, and, and we have to avoid complacency. I, I worry about this in our organization. Are we? Are, do we get complacent? Oh, we're doing well. We're doing right. better than the right. rest of the industry. We get complacent. So we've got to learn to establish a system for reflection and review. The Lakers did this. Pat Riley did this really interesting thing. He, he set up this scoring system that demanded that the players improve at least 1% in the season in their scoring system. And it was assists and it was scoring and it was all these different things. And that improvement had to happen. And that's what led to the Lakers going from just having great teams to, to great teams that would win championships. So learn new habits, then continually fine-tune them, and then remain self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll finish with this quote. He says, a lack of self-awareness is poison. Reflection and review is the antidote. We've got to maintain ourselves as, uh, as being self-aware people. Awesome. awesome. Really, um, thank you, Clayton. This has been really interesting for me to go through uh, in these couple of podcasts, the, the book and the detail that we have. And so, and also, I know um, who gave you that feedback, I'll just say. Yeah. Um, so, Thanks, um, Brian Hulse. <laughs> I was going to keep his name out of it. I'm but, not. Uh, <laughs> no, it was really good. I appreciate it. No, that. I know you do. So that's honestly, thank you. Um, so really, thank you. This has been really interesting. And, and maybe just to, as we as we finish the podcast, if you can just sum up one more time, because we did cover a lot of ground, um, the, the, the principles in establishing yeah. atomic habits. Yeah. So, so let, how to create a good habit. The, the first law, right, is, is the cue. Mm-hmm. Make it obvious. Okay. The second law is is the craving. Make it attractive. Okay. Right? The third law is 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 the response. Make it easy. Mm-hmm. Make it something that's easy to do if it's a habit that you want. And the fourth law is the reward. Make it satisfying <laughs> right. and make it immediately satisfying. Right. right? Now if I want to break a bad habit, I'm just going to take the inverse of those things. Um the the cue, I'm going to make it invisible. I, I'm right. going to hide that habit. I'm not going to have the box of cigarettes near me, or I'm right. not going to walk right. by the 7-Eleven or whatever. Um, the, the, the craving, I'm going to make it unattractive. Right. The response, I'm going to make it difficult. I've put, you know, my phone is, or it's really hard to log into my social media or whatever it may <laughs> right. be. I'm going to make it more difficult. And, and the reward, I'm going to make it unsatisfying. I'm going to make it something that I don't like. Awesome. Thank you for covering those. And uh, again, thanks for the spending time talking to me. Yes, thanks, Ryan.